The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I think a common conception that many people have of God is God is like a vending machine. You go up to him and you put in the right amount and you will get out what you want. The right amount being works, the right amount being words, the right amount being prayers or good intentions, whatever. You will get your heart's desire if you just figure out what is needed. Whenever our need is great, we are driven to prayer, are we not? Whenever there is a necessity in life that we cannot by our own strength acquire, we are driven to God. But in times of plenty, though, many people do not think a second thought about God. God is assumed. It's kind of like a life insurance policy. It's there if and when you need it, but apart from that, it doesn't come into our lives on a day-to-day basis. And so the conception of God as the vending machine God is borne out time and again and reinforced. You see this played out in movies. About 50 years ago, if you can believe it, it's been that long, there was the movie about General George Patton, called, well, appropriately, Patton. And he's not exactly a model of Christian charity and behavior in that movie, uh, but there's one point in the middle where he needs the weather to let up. So that way that they can stop the advancing German troops during the Battle of the Bulge. And so he calls the chaplain. He says, chaplain, I want you to write a prayer. You're in good with the Lord. I want you to write a prayer that he will hear and listen to you and stop this weather so we can kick the Germans back across the Rhine. You've got to watch the movie to get the effect. But that's the scene, and he prays the prayer, and actually that's what happens. We win the Battle of the Bulge and the war right after that. But this idea, though, of God sort of being at our beck and call when otherwise we don't really pay much attention to him, I think, honestly, to a degree, even for us Christians is born out in our own lives, even for pastors too. If I had a dollar for every time that I found myself praying a little more fervently and specifically and genuinely when there was a need than I did on a normal day, I could retire to Florida, probably by the time I was 45. Okay, I find myself doing this even after preaching about it and talking about it. It's very easy in the needful moment to pray for the thing And then when it's a normal, otherwise relatively good day, well, the prayer meter just goes back down to whatever idol is or what have you. The subtle confession confession in this sort of behavior, whenever it's played out, is that God is a means to an end. God is not the end in and of himself, the thing which we ought to desire, the thing, the person, whom we want to be with more than anything, but rather... He is the vending machine to give us what we want when we want it. This should not, of course, 
be so for us who are Christians. Lepers, people that had the leprosy, the skin disease that we find in the gospel today, were completely ostracized in the Old Testament. It was prescribed by God through Moses, saying to keep yourself clean from these people, send them away outside of the camp for a long period of time until they were better. That meant their social ties were cut off, and their economic ones too. They had to rely on the charity of others. You'd better hope, or one would think if you were in that situation, that you had a pretty good network of family and friends that you would not alienate it over the weeks, months, or years who would be kind enough to come out to you and give you what you need when you could not go and acquire it for yourself. To be a leper was no picnic, no normal convalescence as it would be in our day if we had an illness or an injury. And needless to say, those ten people that Jesus encounters between Samaria and Galilee had a very great need indeed. And of course, what luck, what providence, what gracious gift of Almighty God that this Jesus, who they had heard so much about with his healing, was walking by. And you can hear it almost with a unified voice. They see him, they recognize him, they know who it is, however it is. And they yell out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. His good reputation preceded him. They believed it and they cried out in faith. This is the guy that can help us in our need. His answer, of course, is a simple one. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And you can imagine them going saying, this guy has done it before, he's healed. I bet we're going to be healed by the time we get there. And as they were going, sure enough, they looked and they were healed of their leprosy. As they went, they were cleansed of that awful, sick, debilitating ostracizing disease. But it's at that same point which they're cleansed that a separation happens. A separation, not the sheep from the goats, but the nine from the one. The nine, implicitly Jews, kept going. But the one, a son of the northern tribes, a Samaritan, he stopped in his tracks. And realizing that he was cleansed, turned around and came back to Jesus, praising God and falling down and worshiping the Lord at his feet. And the Lord commends him, saying that his faith has made him clean. What those men wanted, what the Samaritan wanted, what the nine wanted, what they desired from the Lord was not a bad thing. It was a good thing. For them to desire to be free of this illness that they had, however they got it, however they came by it. To not have leprosy is a normal way to live. And God would have us seek after that. Anybody that is put in such a position to not have leprosy is a blessed state. And it is right for them to recognize it's not good, as we talked about, I think it was last week or the week before, to desire not to have that, but to have the good. But the nine's problem lies in what they did once they were given this normal state of their lives back. They had a great need. They prayed to Jesus Christ, who was right in front of them. It's about as physical of a prayer as you're going to get. And they were answered. And then suddenly, as soon as they were answered in that prayer, as soon as they got what they wanted out of the vending machine, they immediately became nearsighted. And they couldn't see past the thing 
that God had so graciously given them, they couldn't see past the gift to the one who had done the giving. It is understandable, isn't it, on some level? I mean, I always find myself empathizing with the antagonist or the person that doesn't get it in the parables or in the healing miracles because I find myself just simply being that guy so often in my own daily life. And so, yes, it is understandable the mentality of the nine that keep on going. They'd asked for something quite simply, and they'd received it. Transaction complete. It was a simple interaction, and as far as they were concerned, it was done. Jesus gave them the ability to go on with their lives. So why wouldn't they then do that? Why wouldn't they keep on going? It makes sense on a surface level. But on a deeper level, I would say this. They're continuing to walk away from Jesus. The one that had given them this marvelous, good, and gracious gift was a complete absurdity. And the Samaritan, the one, he understood how absurd it was indeed. Now, Luke does not tell us, the gospel writer, what happens next in this guy's life. He comes back, he thanks Jesus, Jesus commends him. That's it. We don't get his name. Know his nationality, not his name. But I would say it's reasonable to assume this. That man, that very real, living and breathing, breathing person who existed in this world, went on to live a pretty happy life. He probably went back to his family, his friends, his means of making a living, the things that he enjoyed, probably a pretty active worship life from God after that too, but he went on and enjoyed the life that God, that Jesus, had given him back to live. He had the same gift as the other nine, the same healing. He almost certainly enjoyed it. But he did enjoy that gift, I can tell you this, with his eyes looking past the gift. He knew as great as it was for him, and all of his compatriots, to be cleansed of that leprosy, it paled, it paled in comparison with the greatness of the one that had given it to them, with the one who had accomplished it. That's what moves him when he's on his journey to stop and do that about face. In his joy for what he had been given from the Lord, he stopped and he returned to the giver and he worshiped the giver. That's the lesson for us tonight. That's the lesson for us every day of our lives, insofar as we pray to the Lord for our daily bread and he answers the prayer. We ought to pray. We ought to pray in times of plenty when we don't think we have anything to pray about. We ought to pray in times of want, when we are in great need from the Lord. And in the, when the Lord hears, answers and blesses according to his will, we shouldn't look away from him to the thing that was given, but rather we should look to him who gave the thing. We should fix our eyes ever on Jesus, thanking him for our daily bread, but thanking him, not looking at the bread itself. Let us be grateful as Christians for whatever gifts we have received, both small and great, but above those gifts, let us ever thank, praise, and hold fast to the giver who will finally be the only one left 
when all of those gifts have since faded and we can enter into eternal fellowship with him. To the same Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, be all glory, honor, and praise now and forever. Amen. Amen.